worship. Psalm 27, verse 4 says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing I seek. You know, David is called a man after God's own heart. And we lift up David as this, this special person because of this. But what was it about him? One thing I have desired of the Lord. Now, I said this two weeks ago. Worship is not unto something. It's unto someone. It's not unto something, meaning I do this so that I can get this or that from the Lord. I want Him. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. my soul for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know, if how many of you have been to Africa? Anyone here been to Africa? There are some creatures in Africa that are dangerous <laughs> that we don't have here in Washington, but we have some. We have mountain lions. You know, they're a little different, but you ever seen one? They're not a joke. <laughs> mountain lion is no joke. A deer is low on the food chain. And if a deer wants to go to the water, it's literally risking its life. Now, it can't live without water. We understand this. It can't live without water. It needs water. But to get what it needs to live, it is at risk of its life. So it as a deer pants. I want that. <laughs> Maybe you ever seen on a safari in Africa, you'll see them. They're, they're sketched out the whole time. They're just like, you know, just anything and everything around me. Something in the water can kill me. Something around me can kill me. At any moment, I can die, but I, ha I need this to live. And it pants and it pants and it pants. David is saying, I need God like that. I'm panting. I need God. I need Him. As a deer pants for water, I pant for God. God, I need you. Just as much as it needs water to live, I need you to live. God, I need you. Listen to these words. When shall I come and appear before God? 
When I started dating my wife, I don't know, 18 years ago, I wasn't thinking about how long can I be with her that's enough so I can get away. Right? Just enough so she'll be happy, satisfied, and then I can go away. No, I built cell towers and I would work 60 to 70 to 80, 100 hours in a week. And the guys in the, the truck with me, because we'd often have to drive to Portland the same day, go to Ritzville, same day, drive up to Bellingham, use a whole day, just go fix a light bulb down in Portland on a cell tower and then go and fix this little wire problem and go, it's crazy driving all this time. And I'd be on the phone with my wife, at the time my girlfriend. And they were like, what is your deal? Like, why, you know? It's like, and they would like, you know, they never said it, but you can feel like they thought, oh gosh, she's really clingy, you know? She needs to be on the phone with you. And they would never, we'd be out of town five days. I'd never see them talk to their wife once. Many of them never talk. If it was, it was like, hey, yeah, we had a good day. All right, yeah, I just want to say hi. All right, bye. And I was so confused. We weren't even married, but it was just this, like, if we were driving and we didn't need any, there was nothing that we needed to plan or do anything, then I, can I? And we would just chat and just talk. They couldn't understand it. And in fact, mock, you know. And, and he, here David's saying, when can I be with you? When can I come into your presence? And he goes on to say, my meal all day is my tears. This crying, this longing to be with the one he loves. This is what we have, Song of Solomon, that some people read it and like, this is a, what a weird book. This is talking about, you know, pomegranates and all kinds of stuff that just seem like a sexual allusion to something else. But it's this, this Shulamite, which is us, who's being invited by a king into a romance. And the Shulamite thinks, why would you want that from me? I'm nothing. I'm a gardener. I'm, I'm dark because I have to work outside. I, why would you want me? Yet he's, he wants, he calls her beautiful. And she's saying, no, I'm not beautiful. But by the end of it, there's this moment in the middle where he, she can't find him. And she freaks out. Where's the one I love? Have you seen him? Is this longing? And this is what we have. We have Jesus who's come. This separation, there should be, if you've met him, this longing, this longing, this longing for the reunite, reuniting that awaits us. It says, goes on to say in this same psalm, he says, as the deep cries out the deep. This is where some of you have heard this, this passage, you know, as deep calls unto deep. But look at one deep is capitalized, verse 7. One deep is capitalized and one is not. One represents him and one represents us. As deep cries unto deep. There's this crying between, this longing between two lovers. 
This is what Paul had the same cry in his heart. In Philippians, chapter 3, He talks about this thing he's longing for and he says in verse 12 not that I've already attained it but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has also laid hold of me I press for what to take hold of the thing that's taken hold of me it's Christ I'm pressing on I want him he's taken hold of me and I'm gonna do everything to take hold of him Verse 14, two verses later, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. Which is what? I talked about it two weeks ago. Oneness. May they be one as we are one. Them and me and me and you. I press forward for the goal of heaven to be one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul makes this statement. Verse 9, he says this, Therefore, we make it our aim. We know how to aim. We're in Belfair. Right? I make it my aim to be pleasing to him. I make it my aim to be pleasing to him. He's saying, whether with you or away from you, my aim, whether, whether what you can see or not see, present or not present, my aim, whether you're able to see it or not, is to be pleasing to Him. There's a lot of jokes about women, what they look like before they're married and what they look like after, right? We have memes. You should dress up, you're going out, it's very nice, you know. And then you get married and just like sweatpants to dinner. It's like, what are we eating? You know, it's like, it's like we, 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 it's a joke. Men do it too, right? We go to the gym and then all of a sudden right, we, we, we go to the fridge. So, <laughs> but people get divorced and all of a sudden they start losing weight and they start going, you know. He says, I make it my aim. To be pleasing to him, to the one I love, that he would look and he would find something that makes his heart move. Amen? 
you guys can take a seat. If you could stay, that'd be great. I'll need you in a minute. I want to talk with you for a minute about we've been in this series talking about the temple, talking about oneness with God, talking about the aim of communion with God. This desire of God to be one with us and us with Him. I talked about, Kendall talked about, you know, when we talk about spiritual warfare, the aim of the, of the devil is that we wouldn't get to that place. Because in that place, he just, he has no shot. If we live in constant union and fellowship in an intimate, loving way with God, the devil's got no shot of stopping us. So he's trying to stop us from this communion of worship and a life of incense unto him, a life that's pleasing, and, but it only flows out of fellowship with him. I talked about when we try to come into that time with him, that intimate set aside, you know, like a date night every day, when we do that and it feels disconnected. Anyone ever go on a date and it feels like there is a, there is, I did something wrong. What I do? You know, it's like, I can feel it, right? Uh, we always joke. If my wife walks in the room, I can go, what's going on? What's up? I can just feel it. I can feel her heart where it's at. She's like, stop reading me. You know, it's like, you can, you can discern if someone's in a place of disarray, you know, their heart's just not, or if there's a disconnect. I know if I've done something wrong before she says anything, okay? One Holy Spirit lets me know what I've done, but also it might be that it's just broken, dis broken connection and I can feel there's something missing in our connection. So if I go to go to connect with the Lord and I feel a disconnect and the Holy Spirit brings up sin, Hey, that attitude, that, that tone, that this, that, and another thing. I talked about that, remember, two weeks ago. That's the outer court. There's been blood and water that's offered for the washing away. He's, he's not condemning you. He's, he's letting you know that can't make it into there. Right? If they were to go into there, they drop dead. Because he's mercy, merciful, he's letting you know you're not getting in there with that. So deal with that. There's a solution. It's not condemnation in the sense that you, um, you can't get in. He's made a way for you to get in. It's just through the blood and the water. Amen? So there's a washing that's regularly that purifies us. And if we're attentive to, to want to please Him, we catch really quick what doesn't please him by the next time we try to go in and what prevented us last time. And so the next time we go to go near that thing that last time didn't let me in, I'm not touching that thing. Why? Because that keeps me from the one I love. Okay? So it's no longer this thing of like, you know, well, you know, I'm working so hard out of duty to be right and holy. No, no, no. It's protection connection with the one I love. He's holy, so I, I want to be holy because I want to be with the one who's holy. This is the same in a marriage. There's certain things that we choose to not do 
ever again because it would cause a disconnect between the one you love. And when you have fallen for those lesser things, you felt the disconnect, whether it was shame or this or that, until you confessed and said, hey, I messed up. Because you know you can hide, you can lie, you can do whatever, but until you confess, until you, it'll, it's just something's not right. So I say all of that because I, wanna, I, want, I want you to be one with him. But there are things in the scriptures that keep you from being one with him that too often I hear in the church, people say, don't worry, you don't have to worry about that anymore. We're in the new covenant. Don't worry about those things. And I just go, well, I'm just sorry. There's too much scripture that says he cares about those things. He cares about those things. So I get married and I go, well, I don't have to care about this anymore, you know, because I'm married now. But if she cares about that, then I care about that. So we almost sometimes in the New Testament church, we go, well, I don't, we don't have to do that anymore. But we never caught the heart of a thing. This one thing I desire, this one thing I seek, this that I will do, to dwell with him. Look at Jeremiah. We all know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? What does it say? You can just kind of, it's all in different translations. You can just say it. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster. Plans for a future and a, okay. There's a verse that follows it. We like the first verse, but there's something really beautiful that follows it. The next two verses, three verses, just the whole thing is so amazing, but he says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I think in the, in the church, we take the New Testament and what we, out of the sake of, I would call it Christian liberties, we say, well, we don't need to do that. New Testament, we're not under the law. We don't need to do that. And I go, I don't think we search to find why he cares about that. Why does he care about that matter? Why does he care about this? Why does he care about that? Instead of saying, well, I don't need to do that anymore. Why did he ever want that in the first place? And that's what we should be searching so we can find. Everything God did, he did on purpose. Everything that God did, he did on purpose. Everything has a design. This mic right now is designed on purpose for a thing. If I use this to, as a weapon, it, it, it would work. I could probably hurt Pastor Jared with it. 
hit him in his funny bone, you know, get a gimlet right in the, you know. But is that what it's made for? It's not, it's not, it's not what it was designed for. It'll work that way, but it's not designed to be like that. So I think there's many things that we do and we just don't even know where it's just not being to its full beauty because we don't really, we haven't searched out what's this thing designed for. If I were to take this to certain villages in Papua New Guinea, very remote places where they, there's no written language, there's no nothing that's been made by machine, it's everything is just, you know, they've, they've just only seen their tribe of 200 people for their whole lives. Anyone that comes close, they kill them, right? There's still people that eat humans in those places. They're just remote places, even in South America, very remote places, very dangerous places that are isolated from the rest of the world. If I were to give them this, they would have no value for it. They don't, what, what's it for? I don't know. So I think there's so many things God does, we choose to not search it out, to go, why? Why? Why does God care about that? And I want to talk about that today because I want you to be one with him. But for me and my wife to be one, it's not about how little can I do so that we don't get divorced. That's what I think a lot of Christians do. How little can I do and make it to heaven? No, no. He's, he has to be, he is heaven. People will talk about, well, we, I give and I do this. I'm storing my treasure in heaven. And I go, that's true. It's true. But isn't that why you do it? Is that why you do it? So that you get there and you have a, a big house. So what you're telling me is you want a big house. That's the longing of your heart. I don't want to get to heaven and have a big house and he's not there. I don't want it. Burn the boogie down. I don't want it. And this comes from someone who's been homeless before, all those things. I value a roof, okay? Because I lived in Washington and didn't have one, okay? So I have a, a respect for how something functions because I, I didn't have it for a while. So to say, like, you know, I value the house that I built here in Belfair. I value it. I respect it. I, I, the word is kavod in the scriptures. To value a thing, to honor a thing to cherish, to understand its value and its worth. God is looking for those who will understand his worth. That's what I started the, the, the service with, where he says, give him the worship, do his name. Worship him in a way that's worthy of who he is. Give him that. But we don't we don't always do that. We think, how little do I have to do these things and check it off and call myself a Christian and, and hopefully I'm still going to heaven. That's the part I, I just go, that's, that's how little can I invest into my marriage so I don't get divorced. That's, I'm trying to help you see certain matters in our relationship with the Lord have so much more available in it instead of duty. Oh, I don't sleep with other women because I would, that would cause a divorce. No, I don't do that because I, I already have the one I love. 
So we go, well, we don't worship idols because God would be upset. No, I don't. What? Wooden stone versus him. What? You see what I'm saying? We, it's not about duty. It's about actually getting a hold of how wonderful and, 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 and amazing this relationship with him is. And we no longer do the things that he's saying, hey, do this. That My heart loves it when you do this. And we go, oh, gosh, got to do that thing again. How was your day? Yeah, I don't really care. I just know that you like me to ask that and you complain when I don't. So how's your day? Good. Okay, great. Awesome. That's how we can treat God. I don't want to do that. Okay? I want to search out a matter to understand it so I can find him in his heart, in his desire, in his design for a thing. So we've been talking about that in prayer. How many were you blessed by Pastor Jared's message last week? Understanding God's looking for someone on earth to partner with because he gave us dominion. So when we catch how he actually designed the earth to be, and when it's not like that, we say, hey, let it be like that. And he's like, oh, thank you. So we go, why did God, if God was so good, how come it's like this? He's like, because of you, not because of me. That's never how I designed this to be, but I gave you authority over it, and you took it joyriding and put it in a ditch. So I came so that we can get it out of the ditch. But I still need you to call me as the truck driver to pull it out of the ditch. We saw he knows all things. Yeah, I know you're in the ditch, but I'm not going to help you out of the ditch until you ask me to help you out of the ditch. I'm not going to go against your free will. If you want it in the ditch, you can have it in the ditch. I don't want it in the ditch. I would like it out of the ditch. I covered all the tow truck driving b b bills already. Just shoot me a call. I'd love to take care of it. So we, we talked about that last week, all the operations of prayer, supplication, intercession, supplications for yourself, intercessions for others, de declarations, decrees, those things. We'll talk more on that as we come into the new year, as we come into this time of prayer. I want to talk about Matthew 6. Matthew 6 he talks about the secret life of the believer. Do we know what I'm talking about? How many of you go, I'm just going to be really honest. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, thank you so much for being honest because there's a lot of people in here who, who are lying right now. Okay, so you told the truth. So in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6, there's a lot. That's why I said that because there's a lot. But he talks about three things that if you were to do it, he says, try to do this in private. Don't do this for man to see it. What does he say? What are the three things? Prayer, fasting, giving. When you do these things, do it because you do it for me. Because what were the Pharisees doing? Out of relig religious obligation, I say I love my wife only in public so other people hear me. So I give, but it's so that you'll think I'm generous. I pray, but it's so you'll think I'm spiritual. I fast, but it's so you'll think, you're like, oh, just on a 40-day fast right now. Oh, you know, you know it's, and he's like, why? Why are you telling them? Why, why, why? 
I thought you were doing that to bring yourself low before me, to remind yourself of your need for me, how fragile your life is. I thought you were doing it because you, 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 you wanted to kill the flesh and get near to a holy God. No, it sounded like you were doing that so that people would think you're spiritual. When you give, they would, they would do this thing, really crazy and bizarre, and we would laugh at it because we're more tactical and, and sly in our approach. But they would have a, 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 a thing that was for giving alms. And it would be a box, but because they didn't want people to steal from it, they put a, a, like a, a um, you call it a funnel? where it's big on the top and then it gets small, you can't put your hand in there, right? Like a cookie jar, right? Once you close the hand, you can't get it out, right? Was that like the, I learned that it was it the, the movie, the, the, where you can actually get a, a raccoon that way, right? If you put nail, you drill a hole and then put nails and put something shiny, they'll grab it, but when they close their hand, they can't get their hand out and they'll never let it go. They will never let it go, they'll die. All they have to do is let go, but they'll never let it go, right? That's how you, you know, anyways. Belfair, you guys already knew that. So, you're like, yep. So, sorry, sorry. I give Belfair a hard time. So, but it kind of is true. So, it's, it's only funny when it's kind of true. So, so anyways, that, that, that they would do that. They would make it small, big, so you could put in your, your alms, which is giving to the poor, but you couldn't put your hand in there and steal from it, right? But they, they realize when you put the alms in there, it makes noises. It would make a, you know, when you put change into something. So their money was all metal. It's all, you know, silver and gold, right? So they would go and exchange their big coins for small coins because a big coin only makes one sound, dink. You know, one dollar coin only makes one sound. But if you get a hundred pennies, you're like, don't look at my jar, you know. But it's like, wow, you know how long that, that lasted? They're generous. So what do you say? When you give, don't toot your horn. Don't sound the horn. Don't do that. That's what they were doing. How bizarre is that, right? If you came and brought an offering, but you got it all in ones, you're like, no, you just put a hundred on the outside. Just wanted to give an offering today. Just kind of, the, you know, bring it up. It's like, oh, I'm just giving it to the Lord. You know, just so everyone can see it before I give it, you know. That's what it's like. And he's like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just give because you're saying to me you're grateful? That's a response of your, your overwhelmed gratefulness is you say to God, what could I give you that could say thank you? You know, David, he, went, he was told, you know, he made a census and he got in trouble for it because he was relying on his own strength. And so there was a bad thing that happened. Angel came and started, you know, killing people. And, and, and then he sees the angels. His physical eyes sees the spirit realm. And he's like, oh my gosh, no. And the Lord tells him to purchase a threshing floor and that make an offering, right? So, so he goes and he purchases it and the guy who owns it says, no, 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 no. 
I'll give it to you for free. What does David say? What does he say? I'm not going to make an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord that costs me nothing. I'm not going to do it. He understood, you know, if I give a gift to my wife and it was out of the quarter thing, you know, and, the, and I get this little plastic ring and I go, but isn't it pretty? Will you marry me? <laughs> we, we laugh, but this is how it is with God. This is how we are. We're totally willing to come here and say, you are holy and worthy. And he says, oh, okay. I want you to do this. In the New Testament, I don't have to do that. So I want to, I want to talk about the third thing, because we're going to have a whole message on fasting. We just had one on prayer. And I want to, I want to talk about giving. The, the secret life of the believer. Then in the New Testament, I hear people say, yeah, New Testament, we don't have to do that. Tithes, those things, I hear it all the time. We don't have to do that. First fruits, we don't have to do that. Have to? What, what are you talking about? There's young kids in here, but I, there's benefits to my marriage. For men, there's one that's pretty high on our list. That was my way of getting past the 10-year-olds. Nailed it. So I don't say like, oh, I'm married. I have to do that. Now that I'm married, I don't have to do that. And I get, I get this, 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 this benefit of my relationship. It's not the only part. We get in trouble, right? But there's this 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 thing I get as a benefit and it's not an obligation it's not a duty it's not like how little can I do that to be sat to satisfy the other person and not be you know because this is such a burden to me this is how I hear people when they when they talk about these things New Testament I don't have to I said well I don't think you searched out a matter you should have searched a little longer to understand what God's heart was for a matter so that you could understand it. In, in Leviticus, he's, he, he, he talks about the tithe. And what does he say? What does he say about the tithe? He says, the tithe belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 27:30. All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, he's saying anything and everything, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's holy. Okay? It's holy. What's holy mean? The word holy is meaning it's there's it's nothing else is like it. It's not common. Sanctified, set apart, holy. The Lord is called holy because there's no one else like him. And he says, you be like none of the rest of the people. You be so different that people go, you're different. I can tell you must be a follower of Jesus. What does it say? They could tell they had been with Jesus. That's Peter and John. We can tell you're uneducated. We can tell you're from Belfair. 
I'm joking. Sorry, Belfair. We'll say, we, we could tell you went to South Kitsap. We could tell you went to South. I went, I went to South, so I can say that. So, so we can tell you're uneducated, but we can also tell you've been with Jesus. That's what they said about the disciples. Meaning they didn't do the, 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 the rabbinical school, the, the, the go and be a rabbi, be a teacher. You go through this long and you got a doctorate and we can tell because you wear plaid or what is it, the corduroy jacket and you, you, know, you got the patches. We can tell you're educated. You must have went to Oxford, right? It's like, no, you just look like an ordinary dude. But there is something about you. We can tell you've been with Jesus. That's the thing that I want to, to be able to, to say, you're, you, you, you're like holy, you're like different. The tithe was different. It wasn't like the rest of your finances. He says, it belongs to the Lord. What's the tithe, tenth? I wanna teach on this because I wanna kinda of give you an imagery that maybe you haven't seen before on this matter. How many of you, have you've never heard me speak on this? You've never heard me to, to do a sermon on it? A lot more of you than this, so, so that was, I do it once a year. In November, I talk about this. In preparation for the new year, let all of our lives be in order. Let prayer, let fasting, let all of our lives be low before the Lord so He could be lifted high. And these are things He says to do. But the church, we go, you know, it's kind of like, oh, New Testament, I don't have to pray. <laughs> well, you don't have to, but good luck. <laughs> Hope you have fun. You don't have to fast. I was in a whole small group where they were all debating New Testament, we don't have to fast. I was just like, why? What are we talking about right now? No, no, not obligated. You don't have to. It's like, okay. I don't think we understand fasting at all. <laughs> Pastor Jared. Okay. So let's go over to Malachi. Chapter 1. You think I was going to go chapter 3 where he talks about certain things? I want to go chapter 1. Check this out. Chapter 1 is, it makes me want to cry. Can you put Malachi chapter 1 up there? This is after, give you some context. This is after he delivered them from Persia. He delivered the Israelites who were in captivity because of sin, he delivers them. He has a king rise up who catches the heart of God and says, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna pay for your travels back to your home and I'm gonna pay for the restoration of your city. A pagan king catching the heart of God and saying, I wanna help you go home and restore your homeland. This is the power that is held within God to say, I sent you away because of your sin, but when I bring you back, I'm going to take care of it. That's his mercy. He doesn't have to do that. He says this, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you. I have loved you, says the Lord. And this is the, the second part of the verse. And you say, how have you loved us? I just, my heart wants to cry. 
I just, I just go, For me, worship is, is, is easy. It's not a burden. And I've shared this because Jeremiah, uh, Gail, Pastor Gail's uh, son asked me, he said, how, how, how is it you just, you just enter into worship? How is that? And I said, I don't know. I don't have thought about it. And I said, well, let me get back to you. I don't know. You know, and I said, Lord, how, how come? And it was, it was, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten what he's done who he is, who I was, how he didn't see who I was and he saw something else and made me that. And I go, gosh, I know his value. I know his kavod, his worth, and I prescribe it to him. I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So I just want to express to him my heart Sometimes it feels like my heart is going to beat out of my chest. I just, I can't even say the word sometimes because my, it's like, I can't breathe. I just love you, Lord. My heart's just. He says, I've loved you. What's the number one command? Love the Lord your God. And he says, I have loved you. And they say, how have you loved us? I can't just like, I, he delivered them out of Egypt. He delivers them from Babylon and Persia. And they said, how have you loved us? Like he owed them anything. I just, ah. Oh. Verse six, he says, a son honors his father. And you know this was written thousands of years ago. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, I just love it. I just stop. What's Yahweh mean? I am. Said, what, what, who should we call you? What, 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 if, they, if they ask me who sent me, what should I say? Tell him, I am sent you. If then I am the Father, because everything that you need, he's like, that's what I am. I am the Father. And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. And where is my honor? <laughs> He's saying they're not honoring him. I'm a father. I'm a master. I'm the father of all fathers and the master of all masters. And yet I have no honor and no reverence. And then he tells him how he knows this is true. He says, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. 
you have not caught my heart on a matter. When they bring offerings, he made it very clear, I don't accept these things. And he allows them to bring and offer those things. And he says, you despise my name. Revere and, and give honor to the level of my name. We read it at the beginning of the service. Give the glory and honor due my name. I am. <laughs> honor my name. Here's how you honor my name. To obey me. I am the Father, I am the Master, then give me honor and reverence as the Father and the Master of all creation. Honor my name. Here's how you do it. When I said I don't like something, please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> you bring defiled things and you offer it as if that's going to be pleasing to me. It's not, he says. I don't, I don't. And when you offer blind animals as a sacrifice, is it not evil? This is what he says, verse 8, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? He says, oh, okay, you don't think it is? Offer it to your governor. That's what he says, offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? You give a birthday gift to someone and it's got mold on it, you know, it's like, so here's your cake. It's grown grass. He's like, would they, would they be excited about that? But yet that's what you bring me. Give it to someone else. See if they'll give it to a human. Let's see if a human leader, a master would, would like it. Oh no. Then why do you give it to me? Because you're just checking a box. Because I'm invisible. You think, yeah, I don't see anything. No, I see everything, and I don't accept your offering, he says. And he goes on to talk about how they treat their wives and how they do the other stuff. He says, you divorce? He says, I hate divorce. He says, you do this divorce thing. I hate it, he says. And it was mainly out of because they, there was a stipulation that they could divorce. So they, out of evilness of their heart, he says, you do it. You treat the wife of your youth with disrespect because there's a stipulation. Like I said in the New Testament, well, I don't have to do that. Moses, Jesus spoke, spoke to it in the New Testament because Moses gave you saying, well, okay, well, I guess you can if this and da, da. And he says, you use that to get to do evil. You find a way to do what you want to do and call it pleasing to me. I never was pleased with that. How much you just love each other? How much you just die already and love each other? Not a popular message in a culture who makes popular things that are not popular to God. The blood atones. But what if we just change? What if we just choose to, cap, to get, be captivated by him and to do his will, to do what pleases him, to search out a matter and do what pleases him. He goes on in chapter 2. This is what he speaks about. 
in chapter, I'm going to go to chapter 3. I could read the whole thing. It's just literally, Behold, I send my messenger. This is the Messiah. I send my messenger. He's speaking. He's going to speak about Elijah and Jesus. Well, John the Baptist is Elijah, so that's confusing for some of you, but anyways. He's a symbol of, of, John, of, of Elijah. John the Baptist is a symbol of one who's like John the Baptist. He says, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So this is speaking about Christ. Speaking about John coming before, then will suddenly come the Messiah, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, whom you say you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and purify silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Purge them as gold and silver. Then they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. In chapter 2, he says, I won't accept, I need you to know, I will not accept your offerings. I don't accept them. They're not pleasing to me. I will not accept your offering. In the New Testament, we go, thank goodness, I don't have to do that anymore. No, that, that was, they were like, what? They understood, but they didn't understand. He says, I'm going to send my messenger, and then the anointed one will come, and he will make you righteous. Then you can offer offerings in righteousness. Then you'll be able to do it. What does the next verses go into? Should a man rob God? And he said, but you've robbed me. And, he say, and they say, well, how have we robbed you? They're so ignorant. They don't, they don't know. They act like, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but it's like, stop doing that. Stop doing what? So, what? Come on. I don't know what you're talking about. All of a sudden, I plead the fifth, right? It's like. Should a man rob God? I shared this before. I had a friend who robbed a, a police station. They had a... This is a true story. Should a man rob a police station? He was on a senior, he was on a senior high school field trip. Pastor Jared knows him. My wife knows him. And they had a, um, a bulletproof vest display. And he took it and put it in his backpack and took it. And he got caught. It's weird. It's like, he's like, man, I thought that was a flawless idea. I thought that was, you know. And we just think that is so stupid. How irreverent and how foolish. And he says, should a man rob God? We should be thinking, okay, well, listen, 
That, that, to rob a police station, that's pretty stupid. But rob God, like there's just no comparison to the reverence you should have for one or the other. And he says, yet you robbed me. And they say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. But he gave the solution already. I'm going to send the righteous one who will purify the Levites so they can make righteous offerings. Ezekiel 36 says, when he comes, he's going to purify our hearts and write his law on it. So in the New Testament, when people say, well, we don't have to do that. I said, no, everything that he replaced, he made very clear what he replaced. Circumcision, he replaced. Communion, we took it. The outward symbol of the covenant was replaced. He, he, everything he replaces, the sacrifice for atonement, he replaced. Every single thing that he says, okay, you've heard it said, and then he made sure that he doesn't do that to the whole law. Because there's a bunch of stuff that didn't need to be replaced. But everything that was going to be replaced, he made very clear what it was. You make stipulation for divorce, let me speak to it. Everything that they kind of, kind of try to find a way around, he's like, let me make it clear. You know, you, you talk about adultery, he goes, look at a woman. You're already committing it if you look at her that way. She'd look at her as your sister. Right? And we're like, whoa. If you hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. He's not getting rid of something. He's even hiring, the, making the standard even higher. But he goes, don't worry, I'm going to give you a new heart so you can do it. That you would understand why. Now, here's the thing about the tithe. Who do the tithe go to? It belongs to the Lord, and the Lord says this, I give it to the Levites. I give it to the Levites. Why did he say, I will purify the Levites? When the Messiah comes, he'll purify them. Because they were allowing, because in, in chapter, chapter, um, chapter 3 he says who will stand and stop this thing who will shut the door and say no more offerings if you're not going to do it with righteousness and holiness and, and in a way to bring God your gratitude and your thankful and just say God you can have if you want anything from me whatever you ask of me if you're like me and your story was like mine it's like whatever I could give whatever you want whatever would please you I will give it God if, if you whatever you want it's yours what can I give you? I will give it to you, God. My heart is to give you everything. Well, whatever, I, I didn't deserve what you gave me. For God so loved, he gave. Our give, our giving of ourself and our give is out of love. He didn't do it out of obligation. He didn't know you nothing. He was motivated by love. And when in the New Testament, now we're not motivated because there's a law. We're motivated by love. But we have to capture what he was trying to do. 
He says, you will bring this tenth. That's what a tithe is, it's a tenth. And you will bring it to my house. That's what he says in chapter 3. So that there'll be food in my house. There was three tithes. You know this? <laughs> this, is, this is hard. It's not hard because it's beautiful. But we don't, we don't like this because a tenth is a lot for most of us. Like, tenth? There was three different tithes. 30%, by the way. Three different tithes. One of the tithes was every third year. And it was for the poor. You still bring a tithe to the Levites. That's why it's confusing sometimes when you read the scriptures because he'll say, bring it for my Levites. And then he says, bring the tithe so that the poor and the stranger have something to eat. And he's talking about the third year tithe, caring for the poor, which is alms, mercy giving. This is why he says, you tithe on your herb gardens, on your mint, he says. And you forget more important things, mercy, which means alms, and justice, doing right. You should have done the latter without re removing the former. That You should have done both. But you worried about the outside. That's the next part of the, the first. In Luke, he talks about it in chapter 11. In, 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 in Matthew chapter 23, they're both mirrored there in Luke chapter 7 or Mark chapter 7, all of them referring to the same thing. The outside of the cup versus the inside, they're complaining about them not washing their hands before eating. And he says, it's what's in you that defiles you. He says, you should, you care about washing the outside. How about you clean the inside and give alms, he says, and then you would have been clean. Meaning you give tithes because we can record that, but you can pass the stranger and no one will record it. The heart. This is 1 John chapter 3. What does he say in 1 John chapter 3? How can you say you love God and see your brother in need and not care? Not sell something that you have to meet his need. He says, if you won't do this, you cannot say the love of God is in you. You can't say God lives in you. That you, no longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. Because if you're dead, he's going to care for the person in need. So you're still alive. Because you're looking for a way to not do it. In the New Testament, I don't have to. He's like, you don't get me at all. You don't have to do anything. You're sons. This is this beautiful thing that even with the seed offering, I was telling Pastor Jerry and Pastor Bradford about this, is, is it, when we talk in the New Testament, we're not motivated to do works so that he'll love us. We are loved, overflowing so much, we do good works and love other people. We're not doing it so he will love us. We already have his love. So there's this thing about giving where we say, give and you shall receive. The Bible talks about that. But we don't give so we receive. It's just the result of it. Because we already own all things. Because our Father in heaven possesses all things. The heavens and the earth belong to the Lord and everything in it. And we're the inheritors of him. Meaning everything that's his is ours. So I don't need to give to receive because I already own all things. Seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, and all that you need will be added. Why? Because you're doing the Father's work. When you work for the one who owns everything, everything you need will always be met. So you're not working for a paycheck anymore. You're like, paycheck? <laughs> everything... I don't have to worry about that. But we still have this poverty orphan mindset. I need to do this. I need to learn his operation so I can get. 
If I give this, then I'll get some back. So I'm going to manipulate this thing. How much can I get? Hopefully it's 30 or 60 or 100. We, we give because we want the kingdom to fill the earth. We give because our hearts are overwhelmed by his goodness. There was something called a free will offering and, and a thanksgiving offering. When do you bring it? Uh, of your free will and because you're grateful. <laughs> we don't have to do that in the New Testament anymore. <laughs> See how bizarre this is? Are we just... We actually get what they long for and what we're excited about is we don't have to do what they had to do. David's like, I will not bring a, make a sacrifice that cost me nothing. <laughs> so the tithe was to take care of the Levites, but he says to the Levites, hey, and you'll give a tithe and that goes to the priest. We understand this? This is how it operates. So in the new covenant, we're new Israel. And we have elders who are the priests and we have the deacons who are the Levites. This is the imagery of the scripture. And all through the New Testament, you'll see, he says, Paul says to, in Philippians, the whole book of Philippians is them taking care of his needs and him saying, hey, you caught it. And he says, I believe my God will meet all your needs according to his riches. It's coming after a verse talking about them taking care of him. And he says, and I'm confident that God will take care of you. We like the fact that God will take care of all of our needs according to his riches, but it's connected to a verse of them taking care of him. Go read it. Philippians 4. And he's talking about in Philippians 3 that I read, I long for one thing to take hold of what's taken hold of me. And he says, when you've given to me, I, I, I already have all my needs met in him. He said, I've learned how to just be satisfied. All my needs are always met in him. So I wasn't, you giving wasn't to even, you know, meet my needs or any of that. It did, but it wasn't about that. He says, no, it's to your game. Because you get to take part in what God's called me to do. So every soul that's saved, it's actually to your credit as well. He's painting this beautiful, like, you get to be a part of this thing. It's this wonderful, beautiful thing that I don't know why in the New Testament we're trying to find a way out of doing the things that he says fill his heart. And in chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God, but you rob me? By what, you say? In what manner have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all the tithe. This is after he says he'll send the Messiah so that they can do it. So in the New Testament, when we say we don't have to tithe, I'm like, have we read the Bible? No, we'll be able to do this because the righteous one will make our hearts right. So now he says, fix it. Fix it. Should you rob me? He, listen to what he says. Verse 10, bring all the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my household. For who? The Levites. What happened when the Levites weren't, when they didn't tithe, when the nation didn't tithe, what happened? The Levites went to fields. Were the Levites supposed to be in fields? No, they're supposed to be ministering to God's people by ministering to God's house. So if the Levites aren't being taken care of, guess who's not getting taken care of? Priests. 
So what would happen? Disarray of the house of God and the people of God. Because who taught the people of God? The priests of God. So this is what in the church we just go, oh, you know, and in this house we've taught. Well, in this house we have more pastors than churches of multiple thousand people. Why? Because we do what God says and there's food in the house for the Levites. And even doing everything that we do, how many of you still have work? You need, you need inner healing, you need renewed, you need, you know, yeah, all of us. Every hand should be up. So we have more pastors than churches of thousands, and yet there's still more work. Think about that. I know people who don't want to be, they're called, but they don't want to give in to the call because their dad said yes to the call, but the house of God did not take care of the Levites and the priests, so he had to do the work of 10 men. So guess who was neglected? His children, his family. So guess what they want no part of? The house of God. So we say, oh, in the New Testament, we don't have to do this. I said, oh my gosh. We complain because pastors fall and all this stuff. Da, 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 da. Yeah, he's trying to make one man do everything. It's not meant to be that way. There was, you know, God calls this man Moses and then he gives him 70 people to help him as elders, as pre, uh, these men who would be elders to the people. 70 to help. That wasn't the priests and the Levites. It was a whole nother group. So there's an operation of how his family works. And we're just so glad that we don't have to do it anymore. And I just go, man, I think we've missed God's heart on so many things. He already knows all things, so we don't have to pray. Oh, New Testament, we don't have to do that. I just go, goodness. The way you bless God in the Old Testament is by blessing your priests. That's how it worked. I'm talking about offerings. Offerings, just your free will offering. You said to God, I'm so grateful. Who did it go to? The priest. Leviticus says his whole family gets to eat it. That's how the priest was taken. God goes, you want to bless me? Bless my priest. He'll be me to you. That's crazy. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow. He represents Christ to them. That's why we're called Christians, many Christ. Now we're a nation of priests now. We're a nation of priests now. Amen. But so was Israel in the Old Testament. In Exodus, as he says, they're a nation of priests. And he says, I'm going to set some aside because not everyone can do that. Right? They need to work. They need to do all this other stuff. But there's going to be some who are set aside. And he says, I gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To equip the rest. To care for them, to equip them, minister to them, train them, to lift them. Those ones were set aside. So we say, well, we don't have to do the tithe or the first fruits. The first fruits was, was, was the way you took care of. So this is, just break this down for you. This is Old Testament that's spoke about even in the New Testament. First fruits was how you took care of the priest. Because the Levites would tithe, their tithe goes to the priest. The priest doesn't get any other, he doesn't get the nation's tithe. He gets the Levite's tithe. 
So the nation's tithe went to the Levites, there was more of them, and their tithe went to the priests. But the way that the nation was able to, to give to God and sense it to the priest was through the first fruits. So the way that the priests were taken care of was for the first fruits and the Levites' tithe. And the way the Levites were taken care of was by the tithe. So like I said, the deacons and the elders, this is why the scripture says they're worthy of double honor. And he says a worker is worthy of his wages. That's New Testament. Saying so especially those who minister you with preaching and teaching. So this is the thing all the way through the New Testament. And like I said, I just don't understand why we're trying to find a way out of doing something the way God operated it to be done. I, I could use this to injure Pastor Jared or use it the way it's supposed to be used. So God gives this as an ordinance. Here's how you can honor me is do what I say. Am I a master? Am I, am I the creator of the universe? Am I the one that gets to say how things operate? then do it the way it's supposed to operate so that the family of God operates the way it's supposed to operate. So the way the people received a blessing from God, that's how he says it, is from God. It's from the priest. When you do this, he'll command the blessing. The priest commands the blessing. Because you do this, he commands the blessing. So he gave a whole system. We want the blessed life. We just want to go, how little can I do to have it? And I just go, man, you're the possessors of all things. Stop worrying about this, that, and another thing. The reason you have lack is because he says you're cursed with the curse. That's how he starts. Chapter one, he says, have I not loved Jacob and hated Esau? I hate Esau. Why? Esau despised his rights. He despised his rights. God gave him a blessing of being the firstborn, and he didn't care until he didn't have it. Well, while he had it, he, he treated it like it wasn't valuable. That's how we treat God. We have God, but we treat him like it's not valuable. And so he says, one of the two things he, he rebukes them for, you say serving me is a burden and it's so wearisome, and you treat the wife of your youth with contempt. So we go, oh, I serve here, and I go to house church, and I do all this. Oh, serving God's so hard. He goes, oh, really? Wow, apparently you forget what it was like to have all the plagues and to be cursed and have everything taken from you and to be the tail instead of the head. It's so hard serving me. You know? He's like, what? I made you the head and not the tail. I caused the earth to produce for you and rain to come in all seasons that the tree of life would produce in every season. It's like, this is what for you. And we're like, oh, it's so hard to serve this one. He's like, have you, have you lost it? Now I had to bring you back continually because you keep going away. And you say, it's a burden to serve me even though I'm merciful and loving and kind? You call, the Psalm that I read, he says, I called upon you and you healed me. The only reason he was sick is because he went away. But when I called, you healed, you delivered, you redeemed, you restored me. I didn't deserve that. But you're so merciful. And yet we say it's a burden to serve God. We find our Christian liberty in the New Testament of what we don't have to do. Instead of finding why it operates that way and finding the beauty and the delight in it.
I want to bring offerings to the Lord out of a heart that is not to get his love. I already have his love. And I'm so grateful for it that I respond this way. We take care of people in Africa on a regular basis, and it's not every day. And it's not a, it's not a, like, a burden. And they want to say to us, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't know. You don't understand. And I, and I go, give it to him. Don't give me your things. Give him your things. I was a, a conduit. I was a conduit for his hand to meet your need. That's the whole thing about alms. He made a promise to the Levites he would take care of them. And the way he was going to fulfill that promise was the people bringing to him what was his. And we say, we don't have to do that anymore. And he says, restore my covenant to Levi by bringing me what's mine so I can fulfill my promise to them. I said I'd take care of the poor. So bring me what I said for you to bring me so I can do it. And we judge God that the poor aren't taken care of. And he says, now I told you to do something that was mine. And the way that I took care of them was through you. This ecosystem of this love of his kingdom is so beautiful. I'm not trying to find a way out of it. Jesus gave his whole life to find a way for me to come into it. And I get to enjoy the benefits of it. Not out of all of my resources depend on the number in my bank account. No, no, no. I'm a son of the king. I'm the son of the king. So when he says, Think about this. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a, a man. You are just men and women. Natural. Jesus at the wedding in John, the, they run out of wine. They run out of wine. And his mom says to him, hey, they ran out of wine. I love that. That's so cool. Imagine your son's the Messiah. It's like, hey, they ran out of wine. It's like, what are you talking about? They ran out of wine. He's like, woman, what does this have to do with me? And she walks away. She didn't even listen to him. She went to the servants, do whatever he says. Do you know that the basin in the outer courts was a, a, a purification basin. This is what I talked about two weeks ago. Purification has water in it. They took purification basins. And he, she says, he says, fill them with water. Mary says, there's going to be a miracle happen. It's here how you get to be a part of it. Do whatever he says. So I get to be a part of a miracles all over the earth. Why? I just naturally do whatever he says. And miracles are produced from him. But I get to be a part of them, turning water to wine, turning natural things to supernatural things. And the miracle in between is do whatever he says. And 
I'm not that Christian that's finding out what I don't have to do any longer. Because I'm missing out on miracles. I find it my, my delight to be a part of wine. What does wine represent in the scriptures? The blood, rejoicing, joy and rejoicing, merry heart. I get to be a part of this wonderful, joyful experience of the kingdom. Turning natural things that have no, you know, they're just common into uncommon, supernatural, amazing things. And the thing in between is do whatever he says. It's my joy to do that. Can you imagine? You, she, I'm sure Mary was just watching. She was just like, oh, this is going to be so cool. This going to be so cool. And if they would have known what she knew, the, you imagine the joy at doing whatever he said? Taking purification things and turning it wine from them. Wine from them. There's so much in that imagery in any ways. So I, I just want to challenge you as a people. Stop looking at the commands of God as burdensome. There's an operation in, in his word of why he says, bring the first fruits. We'll do that in the new year, right? In the new year, we'll do first fruits. We bring our tithe. Whatever he says comes in, we bring a tenth of it to the Lord. It's what cares for the, the, the pastors of the house. He said, that's how I care for them. And they care for you. And they minister to me. And they care for you. And they minister to me. And they care for you. And he says they minister to the priests. They take the load off the priest so the priest can do what only the priest can do. And that's what you see in, in Acts chapter 6. He says, I can't do all of this. We have to be doing this. Set them up. And they were freeing the elders to be able to do what only the elders could do. And there's a boom. Priests and the Levites. So it's a beautiful thing. Really beautiful. And, 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 and that's how it's supposed to operate. So the house of God is all the needs whether for the poor or the stranger, he says, the alms, or for the tithe, for the first fruits, for, for the seed, uh, all those things. He says, you're, you're, I'm going to make you so blessed, you're never going to have to worry about need. And when you are in need, it's Philippians. What does he say? You're right now strong, so you're meeting their weakness. That's actually 2 Corinthians chapter nine, uh, 8. In your strengths right now, you're meeting their weakness, and later, their strength will meet your weakness. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. So one thing that you won't have need is that God will always meet your needs. It's so cool. I don't despise his word. I delight in it. And I get to watch what seems so natural and unable a poor kid from Tacoma, you have your own story, you can fill in your own, getting to be a part of the things that God's doing in the earth. For those of you who have been pursuing this thing, searching him out, you're finding him and it's beautiful, it's delightful, it's joyful, it's exciting, it's restoring, it's healing, and you don't, don't despise it. And there was things that they did so they would not make it common. Fasting was one of them. What do you do when you have everything? When you come into the land, what does he say? Remember me. Don't forget. Remember me. What does he tell them to do? How do they remember him? 
bring your first fruits to me. Bring your tithe. This is how you remember me, is bring to me those things. That's how we remember. We don't forget what he's done. He says, bring me these things. Every time, it'll cost you something every time, right? But every time you're like, yeah. Oh, but how, I didn't even have. I remember the first time my, my in-laws told me to tithe. And they weren't even my in-laws at the time. And my tithe was like probably a hundred, hundred dollars, right? I'm 19 years old, you know, framing houses. It would be like a hundred dollars. You know how a hundred dollars at the time is just like, oh, it's my, it's my power bill. That's my insurance. My, you know, my rent was $300. Rent nowadays is like, you know, $2,500, $3,000, right? It's crazy. Mortgage it's crazy. 9% interest right now. So anyways, but can you, I, I wish it was $300 nowadays, right? $100, that's a third of my, my, just to have a house to live in. This is crazy. I love that it's a percentage because it never gets easier. The more you make, it's just like, <laughs> But when I was freed from it by bringing it, every time you bring it, there's this joy. Like, I'm, what was I without you? And it, it reminds you. The other one he gives, and we'll talk a full sermon on it, is fasting. What do you do when you have everything? He says, bring me a tenth, bring me the first fruits, and fast. Fast will, will bring you low. In case you rise up and, and think you have everything, you have fields, you have houses, you have everything you need, you forget you were once a slave. So I'm going to give you these things so you'll never forget. You'll always remember me. And we're like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. Remember the Lord? That you are loved? <laughs> it's one thing I want. One thing that I'll seek. <laughs> I just want that, one, that oneness with him. And whatever he says, it's my joy. It's my joy. Whatever he wants, he can have it all. He can have it all. We sing these songs. But he's like, come, shut the door and talk to me. Whenever you want, you can talk to the king. And I'm like, oh, I got I to I check out. I got to you know, spend that time in prayer, you know. Because, you know, what would God do without me? You get to talk to the king. Creator of the universe. You got him on speed dial. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So we, we have to stop looking at the, the, the duty or the obligation and the joy. And, and the, 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 I like the word whimsical. The, this, this, this excitement. Filling up basin jars of water getting ready to watch him turn to the best wine there's ever been. It's like, ah. you know, like my kids take out the garbage, like, ah. you know, he's like, hey, fill up these jars. Ah. No, if you know the bridegroom and, and, and the bride, you're like, oh, 
There was about to be shame, but God's about to do a miracle. This is amazing. I get to be a part of this. That's what's happening. Every time he says, do this, do that, we get to be a part of miracles. That should be so exciting. Don't just get rid of all the duty. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We didn't do the tithe. We didn't do the offering at the beginning part. Because I wanted to speak to this thing. I wanted to speak to this thing. I want for those of you who are afraid to trust God. I, I say this all the time because it hit me one time. How can we say we believe him for the resurrection, but we won't believe him for groceries? It's crazy. Like, yeah, when I die, he's going to raise me from the dead one day. I'm going to live forever. You're like, uh, he says give 10%. Ooh. How would, he, how would I pay my bills? He's just like, what? You could believe me that you're going to be dust and eaten by worms, and then I'm going to go, Poof, and you're going to be like, whoa. But you can't, you can't, the bread and the cheese, you're not like, I don't know. That's going to be tough. See what I'm saying? So it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to trust him for one and not the other. He says, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? He gives us a bunch of stuff. It's going to take faith. We, we can't say that we, we, we will face death and not renounce his name and be cut in half. All the prophets and all these guys went through. And he's like, do this. And we're like, Ooh. So there's so many elements of this thing that I just go, I want you to find the delight in prayer. That when you begin to pray, heaven begins to move. I saw Pastor Jared pray for Kathy last week. Boom, back healed. Just had a word. Back be healed. Done. His words moved things in the spirit realm. How can words do that? So when we realized that, we're like, wait a second. Uh, I'm going to start praying because things move. So it's no longer, how long do I have to be in here before God's going to be like, you're good. You're like, how much can I move in the earth in the amount of time I have before work? Oh, I got an hour drive too. Oh, I can move a bunch of stuff. I can loose heaven on the earth. I got some time. You see that difference? Oh, it's beautiful. Okay, prepare the tithe. The Bible says it belongs to the Lord. Okay. Some of you already, you, you give online, you already gave this, you're, you're what, don't, don't feel any kind of like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, you know. Again, it's not for those around you. It's not for those around you. It's for him. And then we have uh, uh, the offering. Katie. So prepare if you have an offering. Again, free will. This is a I'm excited about tonight. We have our uh, launch party. I want to invite all of you to it. Even if you're not, you're not going. I want us as a family. Listen, there's not a group of people who are moving to Tacoma, launching the church in Tacoma. We're all launching the church in Tacoma, okay? Some of us will happen to be in Tacoma, but we're all launching Tacoma, okay? It's a whole family doing something. 
a whole family saying to a community, Jesus is Lord. There's a family you can, you can come into that's you're going to be set free, healed, delivered, equipped, built up. Okay? We're, we're, we, we are, as a family, to find a way that we can be a part of it. Not like, oh, one more thing. Going to see a whole region transformed. You know, it's like, oh, such a burden. No, no, no. Freely give. That was you freely received. This is how, 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 how Philippians, he's like, if you have any reason for Thanksgiving, if you have any reason for any of these things. So I know every person in this room that's been a part of this family, you have reason for rejoicing. You have reason for someone else to get what you got. So that's why we're going to come tonight to hear about it. How can we be a part of it? How can we be praying for it? You'll find out who's going to be going to Tacoma, who's going to be spending most of their time here, um, the serve teams, the different thing, how, how the time between now and then is. So make sure you don't miss that. And this next week, we'll have uh, this week, house churches. Next week for Friendsgiving. So not this week, but the next week, we'll, there's house churches this week. But the following week, We'll be doing uh, like Thanksgiving. We call it Friendsgiving. Um, it'll be uh, whatever days the house churches are, which is usually Tuesday. Um, some of you have different days, but, but bring a friend. It's a time just to get together and be thankful. It's a powerful time. Uh, in your program, there's, there's all the listings of the different uh, houses that we meet in. And I really encourage you to do that. The Bible talks about one another's. You, you, the one another's are done in those homes. And that's what was done in the New Testament. I want to make sure you, um, that uh, you're, you're in those as well. And then tomorrow we start a corporate fast. So three, only three days, okay? In the new year, we do a 21-day. So we want to get you ready for that one, okay? So some of you... You know, and you're going to be thankful come Thanksgiving because you're going to cut a little weight right now. I'm not just joking. But no, we want to humble ourselves before God. We have a lot of things before us that God's asking of us as a family to do. And we just want to get low and pray before him and ask him for his strength, for his wisdom, right? For, to just get low, to debase ourselves, to get low before him and say, God, we need your help. We need your help, God. We need your help. We call upon you, God. He says, when my people will humble themselves. Every time in the Old Testament that he used that language, humble themselves, he's always referring to fasting. And when they humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their lands. Amen. So we got some healing of the lands that's needed. So we'll have a bunch of lists of different things for prayer that we're all joining in. It's going to come to your email. Uh, if you don't fill out a, pro, uh, uh, a connection card, we won't know how to connect you to those lists of those things. Once a week, we send out an email. has the last week's sermon, different stuff that's coming up for you to, to kind of know about those things. So I really encourage you to fill out a connection card. Um, before you leave, you can put them in here and in, in here. Um, me and my wife be praying for us. We're going to be going to Dallas tomorrow. We leave to be with uh, my apostle, Israel Kim, um, hundreds of apostles from the, around the earth come together, and we'll be together for uh, a couple days. And then I'm speaking at Risen Nation, uh, Dallas, uh, with William Hen uh, on Sunday, so I won't be here. Pastor Bradford's bringing a, a fiery word about the, uh, about the fear the fear of the Lord, and so... Um, so all of these messages we've been doing all in the area of getting our heart right, we would be in the right place with God because that's where just everything moves. Amen? 
I'm going to teach you the operation of those things so that your life is the blessed life. Amen? Anything else on that I, I missed? All right, so Father God, we heave to you your tithe. Okay, come if you haven't come, because it sounds like some people didn't think I said come, so my bad. Go for it. Hi. You look amazing. So Father, we heave to you what's yours. We ask that you receive it. You said, Malachi chapter 3, heaven's windows would be open and you'd pour out abundance. And you said, so much so that we wouldn't be able to contain it. Because you have called us to be a blessing to nations. So Lord, we give to you what's due to you as your rightful ruler of the universe. But Lord, we do it out of, uh, out of joy. We're not those who say, well, how have you loved us? No. We've been caught up into this. You love us and we love you. And we give to you with joy in our hearts what belongs to you. We ask that you receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Father God, we heave to you this offering. And we just say we're thankful, God. We're thankful, God. I know, Lord, my wife and I put in here, we, we're so, there's so many to count what we're grateful for. We're just so grateful. We just say, thank you, God, for all the good that you are to us. It abounds every day, and we say, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You maybe stand. I want to pray a blessing over you. Ministry team is going to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, uh, we want to make ourselves available. The next service started two minutes ago, so uh, four minutes ago, my bad. Lift up your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lead you by his spirit, and may he fill you with his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you were blessed and encouraged. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more amazing content.